0: Morning of Medical presents Dr G at the Heart of Healthcare. The mission of our podcast is to educate and empower, helping people see what's needed to navigate the healthcare system. In three parts, you will enjoy a story, the theme of the show, you will be educated with a teaching point, and you will be empowered with a valuable resource. Special guest, Yvonne, who's going to talk to us about the sandwich generation. Um, Thank you for joining me, Yvonne.
1: Hi, thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I know Yvonne, we worked together at another hospice agency back in 2019. And so now we're partnering up because she's been busy doing a lot of things. Yvonne, huh? Yes, busy, busy. Yeah. So I'll just catch catch our audience up. So Yvonne used to be a community liaison at a hospice we worked for, um, and she, she you know considers herself a social worker. Are you a social worker?
1: Like, I like, ha- I my been- bachelor's was cultural anthropology, um, and then yeah. I worked in a women's shelter for four and a half years during college. So lots of resources and lots
0: of service. Yeah, but what you told me was so powerful when we reconnected. You said, I'm more than a marketer. And you said hospice is community work. And so um, she created a company. It's recently updated its name, but it was called Sandwiched in California. So today, that's what we're talking about. The sandwich generation. Who can you call? navigating the caregiver lifestyle with parents and with children. So tell me how you would define the uh, sandwich generation and how you came up with your company.
1: So the sandwich generation by definition is a generation of people typically in their 30s or 40s responsible for bringing up their uh, for bringing up their own children and for the care of their aging parents. My mm-hmm. definition is people can be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s at this point because we are all living longer. So let's say somebody is in their 50s, that person can be caring for their parents in the 70s and possibly even the grandparents in the 90s. And when you're in your 50s, you know, your children might be in their 30s. I think 50 years ago, somebody who's 30, would have been, you know, an adult, right? You uh, work at Sears and you support a family of four. Um, whereas today in your thirties, you can be 35 with a bachelor's degree and depending on, on where you live, but let's say you live in California, mm-hmm. you might not be able to afford a two bedroom apartment by yourself,
0: mm.
1: you know? And then, and then um, so it's somebody in their fifties, they have their children in thirties who also have children, that are younger as well. And so you are seeing um, a person, a sandwiched person who's taken care of multi-generations at this point.
0: Wow, that is something, you know, you reminded me of something that happened recently at work. I was talking to a caregiver who had just moved um, her parents across the country. So they were in her home. She had a young child. And we were doing a telehealth visit and she was just choked up in tears about the state of things in our country. Um, she said something to the effect of she thought, she thought it was an issue that, you know, the, the maternity leave concerns are an issue, but she, she kind of lost her breath. And I mean that in kind of like an emotional way. She said, not having a plan for seniors is just horrible. And and she sounded so desperate, and that kind of made me think I have to really you know curate some resources for people. So I'm so glad we reconnected in that time because where where do they go if someone suddenly finds their parents ill? You know, I'm just wondering what can you Google? Is it the Office of Aging? I, I see there's one for every you know county, but what do you do? You know everyone's not eligible for hospice, we don't, we haven't figured out community palliative care, you know, how do we stop people from being in and out of the hospital, all this stuff, like, how can we get people resources and get them stable, like, why is it chaos all the time, so, so anyway, that's what I want to talk about, so this is the kickoff of that, um, helping people who find themselves in the situation, so Tell us about how they can get resources or how you put them together.
1: Yeah, I I totally understand what the person is going through. You know, um, like I said, back in the days, you know, it could be the spouse. One spouse working and the other person can stay behind taking care of the child and their parents. But that's not true anymore. We're talking about at least two people in the household have to be working to sustain the family. And so here you are with somebody who's already stressed out from work, and then they also have to care for their aging parents. And you would think that as a country that we would have enough uh, resources or a system or a process down by now, but we don't. Um, But for that person, I would say uh, to be very general, there's websites from the government Um, and you can go on my website. It's very direct. And then I have a list of some of those resources. Um, So my website is gawaservices.com that's spelled G-A-W-A services.com and under the resource page you will find programs for people with disability. There's a link for programs for seniors. Um, There's a link for program for social services um, in general, because for Mm Because a lot of times a lot of programs is a state based program. So when you're okay. talking about somebody in California, there's a lot more social services programs comparing to another state with a lot a lot less resources.
0: Hmm. well, I'll definitely put a link to your website in a sh- in the show notes, and maybe that can help them, you know do their internet research, um, yeah. you know, because I think I, I, I'd like to say that we have a lot of resources in California to yes, help support do. the public. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, so maybe that can
1: help them. Yeah, like for example, the Medicaid program in California, we call it Medi-Cal. So Medi-Cal, you can sign up within about a month, uh, but we're talking about other states like Texas or something like that. The waiting list is 10 years. So you can see the vast difference of between the two, yes. 10 years. 10 years. 10 years waiting list. Yes, that is if it exists at all. Some other states, um, I want to say Kentucky or Indiana, that might have a co-pay for mm-hmm. the Medicaid program over there. So each each state has very different program services available mm-hmm. to the people.
0: Wow. Well, you know, I'm looking at your logo. I actually got your previous logo. Uh, sandwiched in California and I want you to share with um, the listeners you know your story you shared what something very personal that happened to you in 2018. Um, Do you want to share that with everyone?
1: Yeah so in 2018 my mom got diagnosed with AML which is a very aggressive form of cancer so all of a sudden I remember one night that really stood out it was me uh, coming over to help my mom with her IV antibiotics. And by the time I got home, it was 2 a.m. And you know, this given the fact, my mom only lived like five, 10 minutes away. It's not that big of a deal, but still I came home at 5 a.m. Now I have two kids um, that uh, one of them had sleep issue and he woke me up at six o'clock. So I slept from two to six and then I took care of him. And then I went to work at around eight or nine. So, you can imagine I was a walking zombie. Um, another thing, unfortunately, was that while my mom was having cancer and our whole family was thrown into this, my kids were showing symptoms of autism. So, we had to get them uh, diagnosed at the same time. And both my husband and I were both college educated. I'm in healthcare, I work in the community, I know many resources. Um, and we were just so frustrated with the whole system of getting our kids diagnosed and getting them all the therapy set up. We felt like we went from one agency and they just pointed to a different agency and say, no, no, you got to go there first. You go there and they pointed back at each other and you're just, you're, you're just kind of going a little crazy here. And again, my husband and I, we talked and we said, we're smart people. We know our rights and we speak English. What about people who doesn't speak any English? What about people who is, you know, afraid to rock the boat and just don't know their rights? So what happened to those people? And and when you have a child who say have autism or any other developmental delay, there is no time to wait. You need early intervention as soon as possible. So now Mm -hmm. you have, you know, a parent to, have to work and at the same time um, being told to go different directions and then the child is unfortunately left behind.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow so you got those resources and then what happened you know with your mom and I, I heard you mentioned she needed a bone marrow transplant and yes, you so had to work did- on some logistics.
1: Yes, she had a. Well, uh, she needed a stem cell transplant, and we're Vietnamese. Um, we're Vietnamese American, and so my mom's perfect match was her sister in Vietnam. And unfortunately, when my aunt was applying for a visa, she got denied four times by the U.S. consulate. They cited that they were afraid that she, there was nothing to compel her enough to go back to Vietnam. In other words, they were afraid that once she comes to the US, she would use that situation to stay in the US illegally. So we Mm -hmm. were told no four times and I don't take no for an answer. You know, I've seen many situations before, I believe all things are possible. You just might have to go through a different way. And Mm -hmm. so I went to the media and I told the media about the situation. And, you know, it's so interesting that as soon as I was on TV, all these politicians started calling me and offering me help. The same people who said, sorry, there's nothing we can do. This actually happened pretty often. And I said, wait, really? You know about the situation that this happened in the minority community and mm. you, the congressmen, haven't changed anything, mm. Right. So um so our news spread across the world in different languages and everything and mm-hmm. I was working with a lot of politicians to change the law. Unfortunately, the pandemic hit and then again, mm-hmm. if the politicians aren't dragged into the news, they don't get anything done unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So but since um, since I've been on the news there have been many people who have come to me to, to ask for help and I have been able to help uh, four people. Which, you know, is not a lot, but I know that to those families, that means the world to them.
0: Wow. So they denied it four times. And then she she never was able to come, right?
1: No, she actually did end up coming. Uh, Kamala Harris intervened with the USCIS. And so my, my aunt was granted a visa. It's called the emergency visa. So she was granted and she did come to the U.S., Um, Another, what I've been saying all along is that, you know, time is of the essence, a lot in healthcare. So by the Mm. time my aunt did come, it was, you know, my mom's leukemia was already too advanced and she didn't make it.
0: Time, time. And that's why I want to get these stories out here. You know, it's, I commend you for taking your story and then turning it into a powerful uh, force and mission to help others, and I think that's why we're all kindred in in healthcare. You know, the end of life care that we do, so that we can help people get what they need uh, from our broken healthcare system. Um, so I'm looking at that beautiful photo right behind you. Is that your mom in the photo?
1: That's my mom. This is our family. So my sister and I, and our husbands, and then this at the time. Uh, my, my son Atticus was the first grandchild. So Um, now he has three, three other, three other cousins, Uh, Well, one sibling and two more cousins.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you are making your mom proud and I love how she's, she's like right there in this video with us. That is fantastic. And so um, listeners, you know, this is just been a wonderful connection for me to connect with Yvonne. I'll put some resources in the show note, but our valuable resource of the week is this woman who created Sandwiched in California, now known as Gawa. Um, So we're going to put some things together for you. This is the beginning of a couple weeks of caregiver resources. Just when you find yourself in this situation and needing to get resources timely time is of the essence. So uh, I appreciate you coming. Is there anything else you want to say to the community before we wrap up our time?
1: I would just say that um, don't lose hope. There's hope out there. There's resources out there. And I know that it's very frustrating. And I hope that one day things will change, that there will be a better process. But don't lose hope, there's help out there and um, you can contact me if you're in California, I know a lot of resources in California, or you can go to my website and it gives you a few links on where to start.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Wait, I have another question. So just with your mom, since the cancer had gone far, were you able to get hospice care for her?
1: No, she was uh, never, in hospice care because she was hooked up to a vent and she had blood transfusion. And even though uh, in this picture, I you know, worked in hospice, uh, my brother-in-law worked in hospice. His mother-in-law has been in hospice for 40 years. Um, <laughs> Four years for, for 40
0: years, see? For 40 years.
1: And there's still misconception about hospice. And so the decision maker did not want to put my mom on hospice and so I was there in her last moments and I told her that this is not a way to live and mom you can go we'll be okay and she did and so yeah
0: so you gave her that moment wow you know wow wow I didn't know that I know we caught up a little bit on the phone, but I didn't realize that you know. Um, the fam family dynamics is what we manage in hospice care, you know um, dealing with the siblings, and you know the decision makers and the parents and. It's not even us being in healthcare we still deal with these painful moments, and wow. so thank you for, thank you for sharing that because there are a lot of misconceptions. And uh, recently, I, you know, tried to do some myth busting. And it's my mission here, you know, to make hospice care more friendly, uh, that they understand what it's about. It's about family dynamics. It's about giving our loved ones what they deserve at the end, a, a peaceful end and hope for the family. So thank you for sharing that. I hope that, you know, this work that you're doing is, is fulfilling and, and you continue to help more people and that this, this show will amplify your work. So thank you, Yvonne.
1: Thank you, Dr. Guthrie, for having this podcast. And we're going to help people one at a time.
0: Amen. Take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to Dr. G at the Heart of Healthcare. Please visit our website, morningdovemedical.com or one of our social media platforms to ask questions and make requests for future shows. Spread the word by sharing episodes and let's work together to make our culture hospice friendly. Our podcast can be enjoyed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Please subscribe and download. Peace.